Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, I'm Eric Eastup. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back, listeners. Welcome back, Scott. Scott, how you doing? Well, I feel welcomed. Thank you very much. Perfect. And I have to give my first mea culpa of the year. Really? So far, so good. No, well. Really? We're, <laughs> this is your first one, and we're, wow, we're... I have, I've I guess people don't need several, to know. <laughs> I've had several, and it's already the fourth. Yeah. Or this so. is the first one I'm, I'm remembering at the moment. First one you're broadcasting. This anyway. is the first public mea culpa there of the go. year. Yeah, okay. there we go. Uh, now I'm curious what it is. Yeah. So we were going through the history flyover last week and basically became one of the longest podcasts we've ever done. <laughs> longest <laughs> podcast not, in the history of the world. That's not the, <laughs> there you go. That's not the, the mea culpa. But uh, I got a little bit rushed at the end. And I feel like our, yeah, I think we both did. Yeah, I feel like our the, the what we could have done for takeaways got a little bit rushed, as far as we just went or over or omitted completely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I, we I think we tagged in a couple at the end, but it just wasn't sufficient. Whatever it was. Okay. So I would like to go and do some takeaways from two thousand years of of history that we went over last. Golly, can we find anything week. in there? I'm hoping we can come up with one or two. Um, so, so that's the mea culpa, and I, I, I want to remedy it today in the episode and talk about some takeaways. I have I, an idea. Yeah. Let's skip history altogether and just <laughs> talk about takeaways then. If you missed the history, you can go back to the last episode. Because we're not going to talk about it again. No. Because it was 2,000 years long. That's right. It was a long episode. So um, so what are some of the lessons? What, what came to mind for you as we were going? Okay. I have some as well. But The, the first thing that came to my mind... And this history does this for me every time, and that is simply be humble. My mm. first takeaway from history is the takeaway of humility because uh, I look back at some of the things that happened and I think, how stupid. Mm. But then if I don't look very far back, like one or two years or maybe uh, last year, right. I see pretty stupid things that I've done too. And so it just does remind me to be humble because, and we've talked about this before, we're all men of our times mm -hmm. or women of our times. We are anchored in where we sit. Uh, the things matter to us that matter to everybody else. Right. And maybe the things that matter for history or the things that matter for the kingdom of heaven or the things that matter to Jesus mm -hmm. don't really matter to us like they should because we're people of our times. Right. And that is, that's a very humbling to me. And I want that to be different. And I don't, I mean, the only way I know how to do to not be a man of my time is to study history. Mm. That really is why uh, we did it. And that's my first lesson. I think, I think that's a great one. And I, I know when I read, uh, C.S. Lewis talks about chronological snobbery. And when I read history, the, the first reaction is to go, oh, you idiots. <laughs> what is wrong with you people? I can't believe you thought... XYZ or you did XYZ. Um, but to, to that, my, my actual reaction should be, oh my goodness, I wonder what I don't realize. 
about my or own what circumstances in the same place. Yes, See, definitely. What would I have done? But also if, if for not saying someone's going to write a book about me, but if someone were to read the book about my life 300 years from now, what would they be saying? Oh my goodness. I can't believe he thought that or did that. Um, and reading history helps me, um, create some distance for myself in, right. in time now and going, okay, I don't know. I don't know a hundred percent what I should know. Um, and I, I need to have humility about what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. Um, and well, some of it's why did he do, do what he did, mm -hmm. but some of it is why didn't he do what he didn't do? Right. So I think that's the other Omission, thing commission. that we yeah. look back on and say, well, they didn't do anything. Well, of course they didn't do anything. It didn't even occur to them to do anything. Mm -hmm. What's not occurring to me. Mm -hmm. That's what makes me humble. Yeah. So. That's good. That's good. Uh, I suppose my second takeaway is that uh, politics can't really solve uh, deeper spiritual or soul problems. Mm. Uh, I just was thinking about, and I, again, I said last week, but I'll say again, I don't, I haven't really studied prohibition like I would like to, but it just strikes me that that was an attempt to solve a deeper problem mm. with the spiritual machine and, or I mean, it was a political machine and it seemed to work for a while and then it didn't work. Right. And then it got, uh, repealed and, we're kind of back to square one on that. And I think the same thing, I, I, I see that in prohibition, but I also just think about that in the last year or so with um, the Dobbs decision mm -hmm. and what that meant. Because I mean, that was all of my life, all of my right. adult life was, if we can only overturn Roe, mm -hmm. all abortions will go away and everything will be we'll right. Save a bunch of babies. Yeah. And, and uh, I do trust that some babies were saved because of that, but they're not near as many as I'd hoped or right. that I was led to believe because politics can't really solve that mm -hmm. kind of a problem. That's a deeper problem. But Well, and, and th those are problems of the soul and we need remedies that can actually touch the soul and politics can't really do that, at least in a beneficial way. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that reminds me also of just the European wars. We talked about uh, um, the church gaining political, not just political clout, but just straight up ruling clout. Uh, throughout Europe, and the the attempt was okay. If we just say this is the re the religion of this country or that country, and we hold the sword, and we're going to emphasize this, oh, then we'll have a bunch of Christians. No, that's not how that works. You you have a bunch of bloodshed, but you don't right. have a bunch of Christians. Well, in established church, mm -hmm. all the things about established church, you can establish it politically, mm -hmm. but you can't establish it in people's hearts and right. change their lives. Right. Yeah, so right. Uh, that's probably a second takeaway is that political machinery can't solve spiritual problems. My what? third, oh, go ahead. Oh, go, I was going to, I was going to say the third. You're uh, going to say the third. Why not? We have a list. We can just keep talking. Um, just talking about church and religion and, and power and all those things, how often history is shaped by religion and belief. Um, it's, it's pretty easy to talk through 2000 years of church history and in just general history, because they're so interwoven. There's so many things going on influences. Um, I mean, even I, I always like thinking about the, the upstream, um, causes of the revolutionary war. And if you take it back far enough, you go, Oh, great, uh, great awakening. Mm -hmm. Um, great awakening wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the Protestant reformation. And you're just going all the way back and, Oh, one of the upstream causes of even the Revolutionary War is 
all this religious stuff. It's just, it's fascinating. I mean, many of the causes are upstream religious right. things. I mean, you think about, uh, I was thinking when you mentioned this, that even history shaped by religion, Constantine. Mm -hmm. and oh, the, yeah. I mean, all of Christendom. Well, and, 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 <laughs> the and West, Jesus. The West is shaped by, <laughs> yes. and so it's it's funny that way because we're, we're sort of modern. We think mm -hmm. of ourselves as modern, mm -hmm. like religion isn't going to shape right. my view of history. Right. I'm sorry. You, you don't get to pick that. It already has. You know, right. that's, I think, the thing. And, and religion belief, part of the weaponry uh, against the, um, the Soviets in the Cold War was not merely that we had nukes and they mm. did too. Mm -hmm. That was part of it, yes, but part of it was we were Christian Americans and they were atheist communists. And so we're going to. We, we armored up with religion even then. Right. So we were really Christian. We were theist, theist Americans. Well, we were, but we called right. ourselves Christian. Right. That was the thing. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, it's funny. Just the how much religion shaped history. Right. I think we can't, we have no idea really right. how much it has. Well, when you brought up the modern piece in, in a modern perspective, which you have listener, whether you realize it or not, um, the modern perspective would be that religion is something that's just kind of personal off to the side. And I think reading history helps you realize, oh, I, I have a modern understanding of how this works because it, it is so um, uh, expansive. It is, it's everywhere. It touches everything. Uh, and specifically what Jesus did in the world and it, its ramifications yeah. through the last 2000 years is incredibly significant. And you, you swim in that sea, whether you know it or not, um, and, and reading some history is helpful for that. Yeah. What else? History and politics are far more complex than we give credit for. Yeah, I I I, I like this one because we tend to get news, mm -hmm. of especially of current events, as though there's one singular cause or one singular mm -hmm. solution or one you know, person who's going to change everything. Mm. And the reality is there's a lot going on and it requires maybe multi-levels mm -hmm. of uh, change or um, some kind of remedy. And what happens, and this is why reading history is helpful, mm -hmm. I think, or thinking about history, is that uh, there's things have more causes than they appear to have. Mm -hmm. They have more, it will require more to, you know, change them or fix them than we, we think. And so that was just, that's just something as you think about it uh, and as you trace roots, mm -hmm. it's more complicated than you think. There's a writer I listened to and he, he one of his phrases he'll often say is, um, uh, he wants to avoid monocausal explanations for anything. Because that, that's the, um, the temptation is to go, oh, this is the one thing that's causing this. And if you fix the one thing, uh, then, then everything's remedied. And history just blows that out of the water. It's far more complex than you realize. And I think that's worth, that's helpful from just a historical perspective piece. But I think it's also helpful. We're in 2024, listeners, and you are going to be sold over and over and over again this year that there are monocausal there there are single reasons things are happening and if you just I give am the money one person who right, can fix this give right, me money or give me your vote give me money yep. give you your vote whatever um it is easy to, to sell you a simple story 
uh, because it's just easier to talk about. But it's not reality. That's life is more complex. History is more complex. Um, and and beware if someone tries to give you a simple story because it's the aim is probably to get you to do something, not necessarily to explain reality to you. And the you know, in all fairness, I mean, history is that way. But my marriage is that way. <laughs> my, you know, my our church is that Go way. <laughs> there's there's a lot more going on than mm. I think. I mean, I think if only I would do this one thing, well, or change this one thing, and there's there's more going on there so and and that leads to humility again as well yeah it's it's back to number one it does yeah probably everything points back to number one doesn't it probably um i think one of the one of the other takeaways i suppose takeaway number five is that we all have baggage that we don't recognize that we have okay this goes to my marriage also (laughs) but this isn't about my marriage counseling or therapy i'm sure um but we come into you, you know, I think marriage is a good illustration. We come into a marriage with stuff that we didn't even know we had until it shows up because of our conversation with our spouse. Mm. And, you know, we really saw that, I think just looking through history, um, you know, you think about the American experiment was, was built with baggage Mm -hmm. from established uh, church in Mm -hmm. uh, Europe for instance, and the, the City on the Hill speech from which we get the name of our podcast was... Oh, I thought we got it from the Bible. <laughs> <clears throat> oh. <laughs> the second City on the Hill speech, not Jesus' speech, but the other one, yes. Um, was, he meant well, mm-hmm. and it, was a, it wasn't a bad idea. It just reflects the fact that he he was sort of expecting the same kind mm-hmm. of a, a maturation of what he was leaving in europe to happen here so right anyway yeah there there's the city on the hill speech from winthrop there's um really just as american american christians we have the baggage of the american revolution we, we're still arguing about what was legitimate what was not legitimate and that that's baggage for you whether you realize it or not there's the Civil War, there's um, the Cold War. All of those things are kind of in your background and influencing the way you think about the world because they're um, how the church, the church had to interact in America in a particular way and have made decisions right. and influenced you in a particular way. Even though you weren't even alive to, to interact with those situations, you have baggage nonetheless. Right, which is really important to recognize i think you know i mean so even just to, probably I, humble <laughs> yeah yeah we, we did some things got to, uh, uh, some questions the other day from a public thing that i did and mm-hmm. more than 20 percent of the questions were about civil disobedience mm. now that isn't a question that you get from straight up reading the scriptures i'm just going to say right because that isn't there and so you say hmm where did that come from right you got baggage from somewhere. Yeah, you didn't even recognize yet. And that could be short-term uh, COVID baggage, or it's all the way back to American Revolution, right. and that's just in our bloodstream. Yep. When when do I get to do? So, when do I get to not do what authorities tell me to do? Right. So it's good to good to remember. Yeah. What so else we have? Uh, number six, the the lines. Uh, this this is my take on history, right? The lines in history have not been clear enough between God's kingdom and the kingdoms of the earth. Mm. And that, that really, I, 
as from what I can tell, from mm-hmm. what I can see where I said anyway, started when Constantine mm-hmm. Christianized the Roman Empire. And ever since then, they've been interwoven and the church sometimes has had the sword and mm-hmm. the state has sometimes mandated beliefs and all they've just gone back and forth. And even now people are still reading uh, the old Testament as though it applied to America and all kinds of things. Those lines weave in and out of each other and they're not uh, clear and separate. I don't think like they should be right. We, you know, we apply uh, let's say political uh means or political maneuvering uh, and forget that Jesus makes a higher claim on Christians. Mm-hmm. And though, so we, you know, we just weave ourselves as though we're like normal people and mm. not Christians because we've forgotten what kingdom we're part of. And those lines cross even in our own lives. You know? Right. The next one is uh, number seven. The takeaway is the church is not in service to the government. The, per- the point of religion is not to make men moral. And one, if, if you're doing some history, and, and we've talked about these things before, but one of the appeals, especially in America, is, is oh, we need the church so that people will be moral. We need to, we need to bring back religion or we need to, um, we need to be a Christian nation. And the, the ends of that is so that we have a moral people. But that's not... That's not the purpose. That that could, I suppose, be a um, a gain for a government because then you have a less wieldy people. But that's such a small small use of religion, especially when we're talking about the religion of the king of the kingdom of all, all government of all uh, king I, of kings, king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, to diminish that to, you know what, it'd be really nice if Americans were a little more orderly. If he made people behave right. so that the American government worked. Right. I think that's, you know, I mean, John Adams thought that in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. There, there, this system of government is not going to work for anybody who's not, you know, for people who's not religious moral, people. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's been there from the beginning, and it's still there. I hear those conversations now, mm-hmm. is that, you know, certainly um, we're going to, the end is going to be in our generation because people are becoming so immoral. Right. As though if we only change their morality and, and, what that does is it is it uses I think with without and I think people are well intentioned who say this. I think I I, th- I mean mm. I, it'd be nice if people were moral. If we lived in sure. a world where everyone kept their word and everyone mm-hmm. was honest and nobody, you know, everyone kept the Ten Commandments, it'd all be great. But um, not so that we would have a good or prosperous country. Right. That's not the end of. That. I mean, the end is that the king of kings mm-hmm. reigns and the new heavens and new earth come. That's that's what's coming. And we're not going to bring that in, but we're also not going to bring it in on, uh, in America right. by our good behavior. And and that I just have heard that enough that I'm reminded that, um, yeah, we, we can't succumb to the temptation to make the church or make Christianity serve America. Right. Because Christianity is bigger than America. Oh, yeah. The church is bigger than America. Well, and it reminds me of two things. The first, if you read history at all, or just really, really old books, you would know that the the lack of morality is not a recent thing. 
I mean, I, I'm re- I read old, I'm, I'm the guy that reads old books. You guys know this as listeners of the podcast. I read Plato or Socrates or Homer or whatever. There's a bunch of messed up people in those stories. And they, they enjoyed reading about a bunch of messed up things. Um, and they were, they were immoral people then, and they're immoral people now. So to say, oh, if we could just bring it back the way it was, the way it was wasn't that great in the first place. So uh, I, I think there's a an ahistorical view of that in the first place. And because we don't read history, we don't recognize it. Well, and even American history, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the morality of slavery or the morality of, let's just settle our governmental disputes with a duel. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Let's, I mean, all kinds of crazy Or, or Jonathan Edwards having to give... Uh, sermons about no, you can't spend each, spend the night at each other's houses. This is not a good thing. <laughs> this is, it, yeah. It's it's not new, um, and I think if we're we're concerned about it because oh, no, we're losing morality, we're we don't have a view, a view of re- how things have actually gone historically. And and second, these last two takeaways we have just makes me think we have such a small view of the kingdom. If we're willing to say, oh, I I can use the kingdom not as an ends but as an instrument. For a smaller ends, yeah. it's like, oh my goodness, you don't, if that's the what you're thinking, you don't understand how big the thing is that you're trying to apply to, to in, su- in subservience to something else. Well, the, just the, I mean, the biblical view, if you go to First uh, Timothy 2, the government is in service of the church. Pray mm-hmm. for kings and those in authority that we might live peaceful lives and peaceful and quiet lives. I mean, the whole idea is that the government will function like it should, so the church can function like it should. Mm-hmm. And the, ch- the government serves the church, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. So what about, we talked a little bit, especially around the Civil War, about civil religion. Um, how, what's the, what is the best takeaway for us uh, for civil religion, Scott? Well, I, I don't even know that the Civil War is the... Did I say Civil War? I meant you Cold said, War. Oh, the Cold War is probably yeah. the place, right? Yeah. Cold War. Anyway, civil religion is simply not Christianity. Mm. Uh, prayer in schools does not equal uh, prayer to the one True singular God. God of the universe who sent his son to die on a cross that we might have access to his throne mm. of grace. That is not what prayer, you know, public prayer is necessarily about. And civil religion, even even the religion mentioned in the Constitution, endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights, mm-hmm. or uh, Lincoln's providence mm-hmm. that he talks about, all of those things are not uh, a triune God, uh, the the Son uh, who came in. Uh, born of a virgin, mm-hmm. uh, incarnate, that he might live and die and rise again. That's not, it's just not Christianity. Right. And I think what happens is we're really tempted to settle for sort of any um, any tip of the hat mm-hmm. to w- what approximates Christianity. I mean, right. I find that, you know, even after somebody is interviewed after a big game. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not politics, but sports. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, I just want to thank God for giving me big muscles. That's fine, <laughs> you know. That, But I don't know that that's exactly what I'm talking about or what the Scripture's talking about when it's talking about Christianity. Mm. And I'm just tempted to think, oh, this is great, or oh, this is, I like this, or whatever. And it may not be the same thing. Right. And I think we just have to be on our guard, and that's... Some of the lesson of history, as you look back at 
the established church, for instance. Mm-hmm. Is that Christianity? There are a lot of people functioning there doing things that weren't Christian, right? but in the name of Christianity, and then you've got all kinds of trouble. So I think we just sort of settle in and um, admit that it's a different thing. Mm. That was number eight. Yeah. Number nine, uh, the church is not a voting block, and it cannot become that. That's, that'd be our hope and prayer. Um, when, and really, it, again, it's back to the, it's too small. If, if church is just a voting block, if church is just a captured group of people that will vote one way or the other, man, we have such a small view, again, of what the church is and what the church should do. And I think um, as you look through history, I think the takeaway should be, okay, if someone's treating the church that way, r- run away, <laughs> go, go some, do something else. Well, I think that, you know, we talk about history. I think that's a little more recent mm-hmm. where the, at least the, Last ev- 50, at least the evangelical church mm-hmm. got swung into mm-hmm. one political party. That that happened around the time of the moral majority, I think, mm-hmm. and it still is that. Right. And um, and I think that because the church isn't voting block, I think we number one have to have to have conversations with people who see the world differently than we do. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to listen and talk about things we disagree about, and I think we have to not put our hope for Christianity or for the church in one person or one party, which I think is what happened in 2016 is people's, there were promises made that Mm -hmm. you will have power. And we said, that's what we want. And Mm -hmm. as a block, evangelicals did vote as a more or less Mm -hmm. as a block. And that was, um, that was an issue. And your takeaway from history is that it cannot become that. Right. Well, and I, and I want to point out, we, we, we went through history quickly and pointed some of those things out, but I, Listener, I want you to realize you're in 2024, and all the same temptations are going to come up to be that. What is the church? It's a voting block. Get on board. We're playing a particular short-term game, and you need to be on this side. Those temptations are going to come roaring at us. And I, even just kind of reading news, I'm just dreading this this wave that is coming because uh, I really want the church to love Jesus mm-hmm. and and be a part of that story and have everything else to be secondary at best. Um, and the way I've seen us interact in the past eight years makes me think, oh, oh this, uh, this is not going to go the way I want it to go. And that's why we read history and we gave an, uh, an overview so you can say, hey, this is, this is how we've tripped in the past. Um, let's, not, let's, let's avoid that little speed bump and walk around it. Yeah, that would be great. We've stubbed our toe here before. Let's uh, walk on the other side mm-hmm. of the room maybe or something. Yeah, that'd be, be fantastic. Yeah. Well, one of the uh, takeaway number 10, so we're, we're making our way down the list, is that this is not the worst time mm. in American history. This, And I think that's important. I mean, mm-hmm. I, even as you talked about 2024 and you're dreading, the, you use the word dread, I think. And I, I was on a call with some other pastors the other day, and they seemed uptight. And I think I just am sensing that the temperature is rising and there's just going to be more and more despair and frustration. And the reality is this isn't the worst time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was bad. It was bad a number of other times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was bad in the Great Depression. It was bad in the World Wars. It was bad in Civil the Civil War. War. It was bad uh, in the colonial times. It was bad during the Cold War. I mean, the whole thing. 
1960s. When are you, what are you going to pick? I, I'm not going to pick any of those times over this. I'll take this. Mm. Uh, well, and I, and I want to remind us again, we, we've read that. So we know this is true. This is not the worst time in American history. Um, but I guarantee you, listener, you will be told um, this is the most consequential election of your of our lives. You're going to be told that this year. I was told that last time. How can that <laughs> be true? Before. Um, or, or history, of American history. Right. And there, are there consequences? Yes. Is it important? Yes. Um, should we not be flippant about these things? By all means. But if someone wants to have you motivated by fear, um, that is ahistorical. Uh, I, I'm just warning you, all these things are going to happen. So mm-hmm. pause and um, don't just go because it sounds big and scary. Um, don't just do what the person tells you to do because they're eliciting fear from you. And that's one of the values of history again, mm-hmm. is you gain perspective on what's bad and what's really bad. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. So mm-hmm. uh, n- another takeaway uh, is that scripture is the answer. There you go. Perfect. End of discussion. <laughs> and? <laughs> but it but. is not flexible in service of my viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I, I, I want to acknowledge that both currently and in history. We've done a few episodes now about the scripture, use of scripture in the Revolutionary War, use of scripture in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you can kind of march through American history and the scripture has been the answer and the probably the more evangelical somebody is, the more they think it's the answer. Mm. But the reality is that it has tended to be flexible and what has been talked about or emphasized has been what's been, you know, front of mind or popular in the moment Mm. rather than what the scripture actually says. And I, I just even think about the, the scriptures that call us to whether it's moral purity or call us to um, care for the poor or do justice or all the things that the scripture calls us to, and we select some of those that we like, and and what governs us is our mm-hmm. political viewpoint or a platform or something rather than the scripture itself, and so. Um, it's very easy to, to make it simple and say, it's this is the biblical thing. Right. The biblical viewpoint. And th- there might be, that might be a biblical viewpoint, but there might be more to the biblical viewpoint than just your favorite thing. So, Yeah, and what if I'm, what if uh, I'm reading scripture and it's talking about something that doesn't jive with my viewpoint or um, seems well, to emphasize that? <laughs> or seems to emphasize things that my viewpoint doesn't emphasize? Uh, what should flex? Well, just ignore that part. <laughs> I just give the layup of all layups, and you just yeah, I'm gonna I'm just gonna walk off the court. <laughs> <laughs> I forfeit. I forfeit. No, it, I just yeah. I need the reminder just as much as anybody when when I'm reading scripture and go, oh, I don't like the way that emphasizes that thing or or um, talks about this. It doesn't really match with what I want to think about the world. I'm I'm the one that needs to bend, not scripture. Oh um, yeah. And I think that's a helpful uh, posture to have when you have your Bible open on your lap and you're reading, um, realizing if if you're uncomfortable with something, you're you need to change. Well, that's okay. I mean, and figuring out. See, some of the reason we're uncomfortable is we can't figure out how to make this apply because mm. it's complicated. I mean, that's a different lesson we talked right. about already. 
and it is complicated and that's okay. But um, doesn't mean that you just dispense with that. Right. You just sit with it and figure it out. So. Right. Um, and then we're going to do a dozen. How's that? So nice. Lesson number 12. Standard dozen. Yes. Is uh, that our temptations are really no different than the temptations of the people before us. Mm. That they, um, they felt the temptation to short-term political power. We will too. You'll be mm -hmm. tempted. We promise there will be a tempter coming in the next nine months or, or 11 today. months or today <laughs> that will try and get you to buy in and say, if you only had more power, you would be happier. Mm -hmm. And that temptation has been there before. Right. Um, and we saw that, we saw that with, uh, again, with the established church in Europe, we saw that with Constantine. We saw that with, um, all throughout American history as mm -hmm. well. So, yeah. And evangelicals and Trump again, um, 2016. And I, I'm just I'm just so aware that I'm we're going to see these things, uh, especially this year. You're going to be tempted to play. Uh, one of the things I think is worth noting: you're going to be tempted to play the game by the world's rules rather than the rules of Jesus. And uh, listeners, if you belong to Jesus, you belong to such a bigger story than these little games we're playing. And not, that's not to say these games are unimportant, um, but we cannot our, our play in those games cannot be dictated by the world's rules. They need to be dictated by Jesus's rules. And I was, I was just had lunch with uh, a guy who just got baptized uh, last week um, that I work with. And we were talking about the Bible a little bit and he, he was just talking about the words of Jesus. He said, I'm just, I, I don't know much about this stuff. I'm just, he said he, his phrase, I'm just going to be selfish and just with my relationship with Jesus right now and just learn what Jesus said. And we were talking a little bit about the sermon on the Mount. I was like, yeah, you could, you could uh, steep in the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount for the, for decades, and <laughs> and not run run out of things to be uh, uncomfortable about or have to change or or morph because um, the words of Jesus and and the the rules of Jesus dictate the way we should be interacting in the world. So I want I want to remind us of that because it's you will be tempted to do something else, maybe even today. Yeah. So well, good. Anything else? Any other takeaways? Well, I, I promised a dozen, and I think uh, right. to stop. We're so. not going to do baker's dozen. This would be a normal dozen of donuts, and and that's. I think we've. Uh, I, I've remedied my mea culpa, so I think we're good. Um, okay. We'll <laughs> we'll go back to some other episodes in the future. Normal, normal. Maybe. Yes, no mea. You might have a mea culpa. Who knows? I'm. I need to apologize <laughs> all the time. I need to be in a constant state of repentance for sure. Perfect. Well, to, to hear future confessions, don't, sub, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and rate us. If you find what we're doing helpful, a review goes a long way to getting this to other people, as does sharing it. Uh, you can send it in your favorite text thread or uh, put it on social media or something. Uh, and if you have questions or you need some clarification or you want us to talk about something specific, send us an email at comment at cityonahillpodcast.com. And we look forward to the next conversation. Future Future confessions, that's really <laughs> the best sales thing you can think of? I thought it was pretty good. All right.